your complete betting guide to this weekend's English Premier League action. Please gamble responsibly. This is the Sportsbet.io Premier League podcast. Welcome to the Sportsbet.io Premier League preview podcast for another weekend in the Premier League. We've had lots of action all over the place in uh, in January. Uh, we're back with a full lineup, hopefully full lineup of Premier League matches this weekend. Again, without most of the AFCON stars, although some are coming back to uh, varying amounts of, of quality in terms of their performance. I'm looking at you, Thomas Party, uh, but he will be back uh, for Arsenal on Sunday. But this is games Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this weekend. Uh, happy to say that joining us to go through these games are the commentator John Driscoll and the former Liverpool striker Neil Miller. Hello, gentlemen. How are we? Hey, good, thank you. Very good. Hope to get some games on. Yes, we're getting most of these games away now, unless you're Burnley. In which case, you've got uh, quite a lot of games to catch up on. Uh, at the moment, they are, I think, six games behind Chelsea at the time of, uh, of recording. Chelsea with their 23 play, Burnley only with 17. We'll come on to uh, both those sides as they play on Sunday. Uh, and as I say, there's uh, three ga- three days with matches on uh, this weekend. We start on Friday and uh, the Friday night football, as the Premier League returns, is Watford versus Norwich. Um we mentioned a game last week where it was possible between Norwich and Everton where both sides could lose. Uh, and Neil Mellor, uh, Norwich won that game against Everton and they will go into this on quite the bounce. Yeah, unusual. Norwich winning the game in the Premier League. Um, of course, it was against another out-of-form team in, in Everton. Uh, looking at this one, two teams really struggling, aren't they? Um, and I'm thinking, who's the better team? I think Watford are the better team. I think Watford have the better manager. I think Watford have the advantage. They're at home. So everything's pointing to me for Watford to have the advantage. But Norwich do have the, the confidence going into this game, having already got another victory last weekend against Everton, of course. Uh, John, uh, controversial stuff that well, so Ranieri's won a Premier League. That's not that, that controversial against, against mm-hmm. Dean Smith. But uh, for, for Claudio Ranieri, the way Watford's owners are, and I think many owners might be, if, if Watford's form continues as it as it has against Norwich, uh, Norwich could, could be seeing another manager leave this weekend uh, after a result of theirs because he's in, he might be in trouble. Yeah, I mean, they've got what one point from seven matches, which is extraordinary, isn't it? They, the only two games that have gone well for them, really, are the two freakish games. So, yeah, and you can't expect to re- replicate that, can you? So it is a it's a game of huge importance for for Watford. I don't I don't know what he's trying to do at Watford. I don't see. I, I understand the model in in the sort of the macro scale of the you know, they buy players, they move them on. The coach isn't the crucial part of it, and all of that. But on a sort of game to game basis, I sometimes look at Watford. I think I don't know. It's just like it's just a mess. Just it's just you know just go out there and see what you can do, lads. Hope that Emmanuel Dennis is in, in form, which and since he hasn't been allowed to go to the AFCON, his last couple of games have been pretty lackluster compared to what he was giving us beforehand, uh, where you know, he's one of the most impressive new arrivals in the Premier League. So they're an absolute mess. Yeah, I can really see them sacking him because that's that's they've sacked people who have been doing a better job than Ranieri before. Um, in fact, most of them have been doing a better job than Ranieri when they've been sacked before. So yeah, easily, easily, uh, and I, it's, it's such a difficult one to call, and not in not in a good way, <laughs> because you know we always say, oh, you know, there are no weak teams in the Premier League, and then you look at this and you think, yeah, I can see two here. Um, so yeah, I would Norwich were okay last week, but then that was against an Everton who were a mess. 
Pookie hasn't scored since November, and Adam Eder scored the other day, but you know, you're not going to go putting your house on that, are you? So, um, but at the same time, neither can really defend. So you're not, you know, I'm not even minded to say, oh, well, therefore it'll be nil-nil or something like that, because you know, because there should be someone should, somewhere in this game should score. I might just go therefore uh, on the side of the home, but then I'm saying around the areas, Watford are going to win. <laughs> you know, oh, I don't know. Home, it might, home it win. might, it might yeah. be the draw. The, the draw yeah. might be jumping out at you here because inevitably in games like this, Neil, when you've got teams who are scrapping down the bottom, they they neutralise each other, and it's a one-one or a nil-nil, and and everything's as it was, and even worse for both sides actually. It's a big chance for Norwich, isn't it? Because they, they got that win last weekend, and the two games more ahead of Watford. And they know if they win, they go ahead of them, which I think if they weren't to win this game, they look at it thinking, okay, Watford is still ahead of us. We've still got two games more played than them. Then that becomes a, a bigger hurdle to overcome for me. So Watford, uh, I know Watford beat Norwich earlier on in the season, but I think that was mainly down to Saar because he got a couple of goals. He's been a big miss for Watford. I think he's due back soon, but not quite yet. So when he does come back, he will add firepower for Watford but we know Watford's big problem is defensively. They still haven't had a clean sheet this season. There's no way I'm going to sit here and say they're going to get a clean sheet, um, even though they're playing Norwich, who, who don't score goals. I've got it down as they haven't scored in the last three away games. Um, amazingly, they scored two goals against Everton, but that's Everton. Um, but I, I'm looking at this where I'm thinking Watford are going to win the game. I'm thinking Dennis will not be happy being brought off last weekend at Newcastle before the equalising goal. Big call from Ranieri. Got it right because they got the equaliser. So I think we'll see a reaction from Dennis. Of course, Watford didn't play midweek, should have played at Burnley. So they'll be uh, raring to go for this one, knowing they cannot lose this game. Home win, Dennis to score. Um, and do you know what? I'll give Norwich a goal as well. Both teams to score. There you go. That's, do you know what? He's convinced me. Um, the, I, I think, yeah, Dennis, we not really mentioned that, that point at Newcastle last week. It looked like it was uh, Newcastle were, as ever, turning their season around, but Watford hung in there, got themselves the equaliser. There's there's something about Watford, isn't there, John? But they've got they've really got to start laying down the uh, the markers and, and the points, and, and you've got to do it in a game like this. But it's uh, it does hang a lot on a player like Emmanuel Dennis. Uh, yeah, which is asking too much, isn't it? You know, what has he got? Eight, I think he's on eight Premier League goals so far. Is he really going to get to sixteen by the end of the season? Fifteen, sixteen by the end of the season? I don't know. I, you know, I, I, you know. Some of the success they had was a little bit random, a little bit chucking players forward and hoping for the best. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I'm, 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 you know, Neil's convinced me, so I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm happy to go with with his with his wisdom, but with no faith in <laughs> backing up Watford at all. T- tell you what, then you can have Emmanuel Dennis to score first, uh, or are you going to go any time or first, Neil? Because I can I can go through this. Let's do the any time goal scorer. Uh, so Dennis scores in a 2-1 victory for uh, for Watford, and that is 17. Uh, if you want him down as the first goal scorer in a 2-1 victory, if you if you're giving Norwich one, is Watford going to score more than two? That's that's the question. That's a 2-1 with Dennis first goal scorer is 41 for Emmanuel Dennis. So Dave, Watford are more likely to score more than one than Norwich. I, th- I think we can yes. all agree on that, can't we? Yeah, it's whether it's whether Watford score two or three against Norwich. Do you think they can? Anyone can score goals against Norwich, can't they? Mm-hmm. Apart from Everton, we have to keep mentioning that. Well, Everton did score. Oh, that's true. Yes. Um, 
I always forget when any Everton positivity again out the window, but we'll come on to that. Uh, Watford a 2.08 to win the game, which is not bad for a home a home victory against a, a side who were as poor as Norwich. I know Watford are terrible. Well, uh, Norwich are 3.66 and the draw is 3.5. Uh, but we do like, um, because we're all swept up by the emotion of Neil Mellor and the, uh, the incisive argument that he's put forward for a, a Watford win, Emmanuel Dennis to score, and, uh, and both teams to score as well. That's uh, Watford versus Norwich, the uh, kickoff to the Premier League weekend at 8 o'clock on Friday night. Saturday then, and we kick off, and it might well kick off, at Goodison Park. Uh, if, to, be, to be honest, if the previous manager was still in, I think it would have kicked off a lot earlier. Uh, Rafa Benitez having left Everton, uh, taking on, uh, not now, taking on Stephen Gerrard's Aston Villa and uh, Neil Mellor. Uh, Stephen Gerrard versus Duncan Ferguson on the touchline. I think we're all happy that this is on TV. Absolutely. Um, I think, what was it, a week ago, everyone was thinking, God, that'd be a good battle. Rafa Benitez against Stephen Gerrard. Be interesting. Now, of course, Rafa's gone. Big Dunker's gone in there. And we know one thing. Goodison Park will be at its best. It's been for a long, long time. They've had to to cope with, deal with, accept Rafa Benitez in charge of their football club, which they didn't want. Now they feel as though they've got the football club back with a, with a manager, an ex-player who gets the club, who loves the club. So I think that atmosphere will go against Aston Villa at the weekend, will go against Stephen Gerrard. He will not be made feel welcome. He never has been made to feel welcome, uh, Stephen Gerrard at Goodison. Um, but Aston Villa are the better team. And it'll be a case of can they handle that sort of atmosphere and the response, which I think the players will give Duncan Ferguson. Uh, they are the better team. That's true, isn't it, John? But uh, Aston Villa have, um, well, in recent times, when we've liked what they're going to be doing and we, 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 we pumped them up in this kind of situation, it, it's not come off for them. But that 2-2, the comeback against Manchester United shows a little bit more about exactly what Villa should be and what they could possibly be towards the end of the season. Yeah, I like Villa. But, um, they're, yeah, they're not world-beaters. They're in the right place, aren't they? And there was there was an element... You, you, you know, with a, with a crowd behind you against Manchester United, um, there was an emotional response, to, wasn't it? It was terrific to see Coutinho. Um, I, th- I thought he took his goal really well, to be fair. You know, it looked like a tap-in, but uh, he had a lot... You know, he had to adjust his feet well, uh, link well with Jacob Ramsey, who is an exciting young prospect. Uh, I'd like to see Watkins get back in among the goals. It's been a little while. They're fine, Villa. They're not bad. Uh, it's a question of whether the new manager bounce is a real thing or not, isn't it? Which which is one of these great imponderables of, of football. I mean, obviously, given that they've, they've collected virtually no points in the last couple of months, uh, the, the, the points tally will go up over the next couple of months. Either that or they're going to get relegated. Um, so they haven't won a league game in four, Everton. I think, I think it's a great short-term appointment. If you're going to get a new manager bounce, I think Duncan Ferguson is the kind of manager who is going to give it to you because... Um, where does it come from? This, this new manager bounce mainly just you know the other guy's gone and and you and everyone cheers up a bit. Um, secondly, it, it's often you were quite unlucky in your last few games and so therefore you take the luck out of it and the results go back up to where you should be. Everton should be a mid-table team, you would imagine. Um, so, but with Big Duncan, as we saw last time that he came in, it was rocking, wasn't it, for a few games? It was great. It was great fun. Uh, ball boys leaping in his arms and and all of that kind of stuff. It was it was. You know, I, I know you might have your concerns about that kind of thing, but you know, but may, most of us find it good family entertainment and um, maintain the two meters at all times, please. <laughs> 
Um, the thing is, as Neil says, though, Goodison, and I, I, I totally agree. I think Goodison, when it's rocking, is, yeah. is still right up there with the great stadiums of, of yeah. Great Britain. It's an old you know, stadium, isn't it? It's such yeah, a yeah. great place yeah. when it's really bouncing. Yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm going with a bit of a new manager bounce for this. I, th- I think that uh, Ferguson's presence will just liven up Everton in, in a way. If, if anyone, Rafa's, I know you, you, you Liverpool boys love a bit of Rafa Benitez, you know, you're all sentimental hearts and all of that. But if anyone is going to suck the life out of a situation, Rafa is, is going to do that. And that, that's been his, his, his MO in, in his recent clubs. So, you know, to follow on from Rafa, to liven everything up, to give everyone a, a, a kick up the backside and, and also cheer the, the crowd and everything else. So I, I think that's a, I, th- I do think that's a factor. I don't think that's just a, me being silly and emotional about this. I think I think Everton will be far more formidable with Duncan Ferguson than they would have been with Rafa. And, and we've seen it before when 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 he's done it, it was absolutely bouncing previously when Duncan Ferguson took over. Didn't then get the job. Maybe maybe he'll see this more as a as a dress rehearsal for the job at the end of the season. We'll wait and see about that. But Neil. If Rafa Benitez can't organise the backline of Everton, is Duncan Ferguson going to be able to to put in that kind of structure where they would defend better? Because that's their massive issue. They are all over the place at the back. Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, we've seen it all season. I'm surprised because Rafa, as we know, is is very um, methodical with how he works on the training pitch about organising his team. He would have been doing exactly that at Finch Farm, Everton's training ground. But he hasn't got the reaction that he would have wanted to. And they've continued to leak goals. Uh, another two last weekend against Norwich. So I think that is an area of concern for, for Big Dunk coming in. But, but I think it's all about that raw emotion at the weekend. I think big the biggest thing for Aston Villa is do not concede a goal in that first half because the atmosphere is going to be absolutely electric. Stay tight, we'll sit deep, we'll frustrate them and try and hit them on the counter-attack. So I, I think if Villa can survive that first half, I think they can get a result there. If they don't, and Everton do get that first goal in the first half, I think it could be a painful return for Steven Gerrard to Goodison. He's not had too many of them. You know, I think Steve's had, had some good times when he has gone to Goodison. Little stat for you both here. The last time Everton beat Aston Villa at home in the Premier League, we have to go back to 2015. Two players who are currently playing for Chelsea scored for Everton that day. Two for Ross Barkley and two for who else? Currently playing for Chelsea. They won 4-0. Yeah. Against Aston Villa. That was the last time they beat them at home in the Premier League. 4-0. Barkley got two and somebody else got two for Everton, who's currently playing for Chelsea. Probably not scoring the goals he wants to at Chelsea at the moment. Lukaku. Correct. Lukaku got two that time as well. So uh, they don't quite have that luxury to um, or quality Everton, but they do have goal threats. Uh, one person who's played Everton three times, uh, only once at Goodison Park, never lost. Uh, oh, he scored against them three times. When he scored, he's, he's not lost. Uh, in the three, the three, three in 2013, Philip Coutinho started the uh, the goal scoring at Goodison uh, in what was a pretty epic game. Was that the kind of the late uh, the late header by Daniel Sturridge? I'm trying to remember what that what that game was. Uh, yes, it was 89th minute. And uh, who put that free kick in? Or the ball in, Stephen Gerrard putting the ball on Daniel Sturridge's head as Everton came back. Lukaku scored that day as well. Um, so Gerrard has a lot of history at Everton. Uh, so does Coutinho. Uh, and but Everton, are we just thinking goals in this? Where, where are we going to... Uh, Everton don't keep clean sheets. They don't, they don't keep it tight. Aston Villa have goals in them. 
are we just suggesting goals in this, or where's your feeling, Neil? Is it is is, is it Villa to go and and keep it tight? I think Gerard might look at this as almost the way he took his Rangers side into Europe. Yeah, no, I think he will do. Um, I think a point would be a good result for Villa. I think with with what's happened at Everton this week. Um, no, no, I think we'll see goals. I think both teams will score in the game. Um, and I'm actually thinking that Villa will nick a draw in this one. So I'm going to go for uh, both teams to score and, and Villa to get a draw. Okay, the score draw is 4.2. You can have over two and a half goals and both teams scoring is 2.25. Uh, if Everton do get that first goal, then it is a draw. That is, uh, you can have first goal and the draw at, at eight. Uh, the Everton first goal and Villa winning is 15. John, what's your, what's your feeling on this one? I'm going to go Everton plus goals. So, again, I, I, you know, he's not going to suddenly sort out this Everton defence, is he, in the space for a few days? Um, some of the some of the set-piece defending um, that they've been doing under Rafa Benitez is awful, isn't it? You know, guys getting free headers in penalty areas and such. Uh, but, you know, Ever- Everton plus goals. So, you know, something along those lines. Okay, that's... Uh... 4.33 for Everton and over two and a half goals. If you think it might be uh, more than 1-1 one, one and, and a draw, a 2-2 two, two and above is uh, is 12. That's a draw and over two and a half goals. Uh, the Everton and both teams to score, as I mentioned, is 5.33. That's Everton against Aston Villa at a, a, a rocking Goodison Park this Saturday lunchtime. To the Saturday three o'clock kickoffs then, and we've got three uh, to just get through here before the big kickoff at three o'clock. Uh, plenty to be talking about because we've got Brentford against Wolves, we've got Leeds against Newcastle, and we'll kick off and uh, probably concentrate on Manchester United versus West Ham, uh, which is a, a treat for everyone around the world watching this. But it's the three o'clock kickoff in the UK, and we can't watch it. Uh, David Moyes returns to Manchester United once again. But nearly brings with him a West Ham side who, uh, at four to win at Old Trafford, uh, have got previous there already this season. Yeah, the League Cup win, wasn't it? Um, Lanzini getting that goal on that occasion. Um, I think West Ham will look to respond. I think they'll be disappointed from that defeat against Leeds United last weekend. Bowen with a big chance to equalise late on, wasn't it? Was it a header? Should he have gone with his chest? I don't know, but he missed a big chance to get a point for West Ham. I think West Ham will look at this one and think United are big rivals for that top four spot. Avoiding defeat would be a good result for West Ham. United have not been convinced. I know they got a decent result midweek against uh, Brentford, but all doesn't seem quite well, does it? You know, when you're looking at the pictures of Ronaldo sat on the bench questioning the manager saying, why are you bringing me off? It still doesn't feel a place of harmony. So I think that's a chance for West Ham to go there and get something because of that. It would be very Cristiano Ronaldo-ish and kind of one for the headlines, John, if he came into this game and scored the winner, because that's what he does. But it still doesn't really solve the, the riddle of what Ralph Rangnick can do with him, other than if he's not performing, literally take him off. <laughs> no, you can't do that, obviously. At the end of the day, so Manchester United scored a goal. Um, Ronaldo chested the ball down, didn't they, in the midfield? It was, it was a good bit of skill. But... You know, the, so the so the commentary, the co-coms, they're all about Ronaldo's touch. Three, you know, thirty. Well, not 30, ten seconds back, um, and then when he's sitting on the bench, United have scored again. The celebrations are going on. We're getting shots of Ronaldo sitting on the bench, and you think, but, but why, why, why are we so obsessed with this guy? Given his contribution this season has been fine, it's been okay. Um, 
it's, it's too much of a distraction. Sometimes I'm looking at it, you know, that they're actually better off without him on the pitch, Some, which is which is a harsh thing to say. And I think Bruno suddenly uh, flourishes again, sometimes without Cristiano on the pitch. And I also think that the whole, I don't quite know what the Rangnick thing is about. You know, this idea that you're getting an interim manager that is then going to, who is then going to move upstairs and start creating the, the strategic direction of the club. The reality sort of jars with that sometimes, doesn't it? When you've got Cristiano Ronaldo and you've got to win matches. So I'm not quite sure how all of that fits together, which I think then fits in with them being a bit of a mess. And their recruitment over so many years has not matched up anything like what the kind of football that Rangnick wants, wants to play. And so you're looking at them. I mean, the, the, the game against Brentford, game of two halves, wasn't it? You know, first, Brentford, a better team in the first half. You know, De Gea uh, made two very good saves to keep, to keep, um, you know, keep Manchester United level. Second half, um, for, for whatever reason, um, they, they were far more greatly improved. So it's a difficult one to call this game because West Ham are a bit like that as well, aren't they? We see West Ham play well, but they were easily the second. They, they, you know, I know that Bowen missed a late chance against Leeds to have drawn that game, but Leeds deserved that win. They were the better team over the course of that 90 minutes against West Ham. It would have been harsh on Leeds not to have won that game. Um, so it's a question of whether we see the, the good West Ham. I like West Ham when they're breaking. Uh, I think you know, the pace of Antonio and, and Bowen in particular, the skillful players around them, like Lanzini and Fornals, whoever they decide to use um, in this one, makes, it, makes them a real threat. So you're talking them prices, aren't you? Because there's, there's no reason that West Ham can't win this game with their, with their threat on the counter-attack. And so if the price is there, then, then you might as well go with West Ham. Well, the price is West Ham at four. The draw is 3.75. Manchester United at 1.92. Just under evens to win at home at Old Trafford. And some people might suggest, well, United at home, traditionally, that's still quite a big price to, to jump on. But the, the, the players that we should be looking at, Neil, in terms of goal scorers, you, you're going to get some decent prices on West Ham goal scorers, like Jared Bowen, who's got four in his last three games in all competitions. That's 4.75. Lanzini at four any time. Uh, then you've got um, Antonio. Uh, yeah, Michael Antonio at three point six any time. Uh, his eight mm. first goal. But uh, can you see West Ham enjoying going to Old Trafford, playing on the break again? As we said before, no, knowing that this United side is not that different from the one that they that they played in in the League Cup. Yeah, I mean, you think of United, you think. Hard to beat at Old Trafford. Well, they haven't been this season. They've played 10 games at Old Trafford in the Premier League. They've lost four of those games and, and drawn one of them. So they've only won um, half of the games at home, which 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 gives West Ham that opportunity to think, we've got a chance to go there. There was no Suchek last weekend. I don't know about his availability this weekend, uh, but I think if he was to play, I think that would be a big boost for West Ham if he can partner Rice in midfield there. Um, I thought they missed him against Leeds. Leeds had a lot of opportunities. Um, so I think if they are to try and prevent United creating many chances. I think they would need to be more protective of those defensive players. United have scored a lot of goals recently, um, but they do concede as well. So both teams to score. Um, and then I'm thinking if West Ham are to win it, they need that little bit of luck. They need that big decision to go their way. So I think West Ham would be happy with the draw. I'm going to go for a score draw with this one. Goal scorers, yes, you, you think there's going to be a Ronaldo headline after what happened against Brentford. And Bowen is the, the hot player, isn't he, at the moment for, for West Ham? Uh, injury news looks like Suchek will be back. Also looks like Kurt Zuma will be back uh, at the back for West Ham. And they, they have had uh, their, their defensive line, John, has, has been up and down 
over the Christmas period, and actually they've done quite well, haven't they, really, to, to keep things just about bubbling away whilst they had all those injuries go away and then come back, like the Cresswell's come back as well. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think Dawson I mean, you know, has, done, has done okay for the kind of signing that he was. Um, and I think you'd say that of West Ham as a whole, wouldn't you? I think they've done very well for the kind of signings uh, they've made. A couple of them, Bowen has been inspirational. Antonio has turned into a you know, proper centre-forward. So they've, they've, they've done well. They are punching above their weight now would be the time to, to, to well, oh, it depends on how well you've scouted, which is always the asterisk against this, isn't it? Now would be the time for them to try and invest, wouldn't it, and, and crack on and see how, you know, top four is a possibility uh, for West Ham, which would be an amazing achievement. It would push them into another level uh, financially. Um, but I'm not saying that they should go and buy Usman Dembele or something, but um, now might be the time to, to, to you know, to, to take a gamble. And try and try and push on. I, I can see both teams scoring in this. I agree with Neil on that one. Um, uh, that four is quite tempting, though, for for West Ham away from home. Given you know, United are inconsistent and indifferent and and, and lose, lose games, I, I might I might stick with that. Can I just say the timing of this game suits West Ham more than United? Man United played midweek. West Ham didn't. We're beaten, so there's always that natural reaction to response. And as we know for West Ham, they've got that Europa League to play this year. Now, that's going to affect them in certain Premier League games. They know this is a massive game if they want to get in the top four. So so I can see for that reason, West Ham avoiding defeat. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm not pushing towards a United home. And obviously, of course, my Liverpool background as well. I could never say that. But they... <laughs> Uh, West Ham have scored two goals or more in their last five Premier League games. So the the they're still doing okay. They're putting the ball in the back of the net, which is which is important. They've got some goal scorers uh, in that side. Uh, the just over two and a half goals in the game is very short at one point six eight, as you can imagine. Over three and a half is two point six two. Both teams have scored is one point six one, so it's short. So let's um, double these things up a little bit, uh, and you can have the over two and a half goals, and both sides got one point nine two. I think traders are considering this is going to be a lot of goals. Um, let's see, the score draw is 4.2, uh, similar to the, the previous game at Everton. Um, and you're looking at Bowen, were you, Neil? Yeah, Bowen for West Ham, Ronaldo United, to get on the score sheet at some point. OK, so Ronaldo anytime is 2.12, which, again, normally in, in his previous seasons, he would have, if he starts, he's... he's he would drop in price on underneath even money. 2.12. Uh, last goal, Ronaldo, if you like, the headline maker, is 4.75. Uh, I think we just we just like goals in that one. And uh, maybe not... We, we can't say... Well, Neil can't say Manchester United to win. <laughs> and West Ham will cause them trouble, most certainly. That's Manchester United against West Ham at 3 o'clock on Saturday. Quickly, the other two games. Uh, Leeds, we mentioned uh, with that victory over West Ham uh, last week. Uh, will host Newcastle. Uh, Leeds at two. Bang on even money to, to win this one. Newcastle 3.6. The draw is 3.8. Uh, John, with that win, and it was it was almost back to the Leeds that we know and some people love, um, are, are Leeds back? Is this What can we take from that win uh, against West Ham? And, and should they then go and dispatch Newcastle United? Uh, I think that's jumping the gun. I, I would suggest uh, it was the best they played in ages, wasn't it? Because they, they've been looking ragged though, most of this season, haven't they? I think it's been fair to say. 
Um, they could have had more. I thought Rafinha was was sensational in, in that game last week. He was unlucky not to score with a free kick. He um, set up other opportunities that they that they failed to take. Uh, obviously, Harrison got a got a hat trick in that one, but let's not go. Uh, Staking uh, large amounts of money on Jack Harrison, uh, continuing that kind of form. The, the other problems still re- remain for Leeds, but then there are they're against Newcastle, who are who remain some, a lot of a of a shambles of a team. Um, obviously, you might be uh, you know an emotional. You might you might like the headlines and go with with Chris Wood to to, to get a goal for Newcastle, but I don't know. I think that's I don't, I don't know why you would do that <laughs> because you know you got to keeping a level head. Uh, Leeds, although two, you know, one get one game doesn't change it, does it? So two is is, is a little bit mean, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, I suspect um, I can't see clean sheets in this one. So it's another one. I mean, I'm sort of expecting a lot of goals. This, you know, so far all the games we've talked about, well, I think I've said goals in all of them. So maybe goals, maybe goals and a, a draw. Maybe the, the the scoring draw is a possibility again. Uh, well, Newcastle have uh, they've lost their last three. On the road at uh, Arsenal, Leicester, and Liverpool, um, varying uh, degrees of difficulty in 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 that list. Uh, the home form for Leeds United, uh, well, they've beaten Burnley, uh, and previous to that, they got um, taken apart, you'd say, by Arsenal uh, in the four-one. Two-two uh, was the draw with Brentford at home, and they beat Palace one-nil way back in November. They had that last home game uh, before Burnley was postponed against Villa. Neil, what are you, what are your quick thoughts on this one then? Do, would you go with the the drama of a, a Chris Wood winner for his new side against one of his old ones? Because that's that's the narrative. That's what it's we're building yeah. up to. Well, he scored forty four goals in eighty eight games for Leeds United. He knew where the back of the net was, um, and if he does score, he may not celebrate. But yeah, I, I've got a feeling that he is going to do all right for Newcastle. So I'd be tempted to, to back him. I know St. Maximum is an obvious choice for Newcastle. I think both teams will score. I think this is going to be one of the entertaining games of the weekend. Newcastle will not shut up shop. They will be nice and open for Leeds. Leeds will create loads of chances and allow Newcastle to do the same. So I would expect to see over 2.5 goals. I think the former Rafinha's in. I'd be backing him to score a goal. I think he's absolutely outstanding. Um, but yeah, I'm going to disagree with John and say Chris Ward to get a goal at his former club, Leeds United, but it will not be enough. Fancy Leeds to win this one. Okay, the uh, the game in September was Newcastle 1, Leeds 1. So Maximum equalising after a Rafinha opener for Leeds United. This game last season was uh, a storming victory for Leeds. Five goals to two. Newcastle having scored the opener in that one. Uh, it was uh, they came back to lead two one. Kevin Clark pegged them back to two two, and then Dallas Alioski and Jack Harrison uh, with the the late flurry of goals that took took this away. I think it was, it was a cracking game to watch that one. Um, but looking at the prices in this one, mentioned leads are two. Newcastle three point six. The draw is three point eight. We like goals uh, and just about leads or just. Is that what we're saying, John? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Leeds but over, but Newcastle. the two is the two is a bit short because Newcastle. So I, I, could, I like high, up. I like high goals. You know, I'm not saying seven again, but uh, you know, maybe over over three point five. You know, you know, the, neither of these sides can defend, can they? Um, and it should, and, and they both have an open attitude to it as well. So uh, you know, it should be good. It should be, it should be fun. And yeah, I think Leeds should Leeds should win the game, shouldn't they? Should they should. Leeds and over two and a half is two point six six. Leeds and over three and a half four point five. Uh, if you do like some uh, some player specials as well, plenty of them on the sportsbet.io console. You can have uh, the goal scorer first goal, Chris Wood 
is seven. Same same price for last goal. So maximum seven point five, uh, three point two five any time. Uh, Patrick Bamford had another injury, so his, uh, his his foot injury. Well, one of his feet now is injured. Uh, Rafinha two point two eight any time. Rafinha looks to be moving into next level territory, doesn't he, Neil? I know we've mentioned him a lot in this podcast, but <laughs> the performance last week suggests he's enjoying the pressure of being the man to rely on. Yeah, Leeds fans don't want to hear this, but Rafinha's looking like a player who can play in the Champions League and play for a Champions League club. Leeds aren't at that level at the moment. So maybe big decisions to be made for Leeds and Rafinha in the summer. But I think he will stay in January and I think he will be a, a big reason why Leeds are nowhere near the relegation problem. Now, if Newcastle win this, I think Leeds will still be looking over that shoulder, but I don't think Newcastle will get the first away Premier League win this season here at Leeds. Leeds will enjoy playing against Newcastle with Rafinha in hot form. Right, that's Leeds against Newcastle. Uh, and just quickly to, to finish off the three o'clocks on Saturday to uh, Brentford versus Wolves. Um, and, I mean, Wolves, what what's going on? They, they're supposed to be, what you know, they're supposed to be just 1-0 and 0-0s and suddenly Wolves have, Wolves have kicked on, John. Uh, yeah, and Adama scores a goal and they're, and they're thinking they're selling him finally, aren't they? Um, they're, they're, well, that, is, been... that, is, that is one for this two years, isn't it? I mean... <laughs> Uh, sell, sell high. I think I, I, think, I, I, I want. I, I love Adama Traore. I think he's one of the most exciting players around. Uh, I want them to sell him because I don't think he, he's, he fits in with how Wolves play. And I'd like to see him play with a team that does a bit more attacking on a, on a more consistent basis and see what he can do. See whether he can start adding the numbers in to the um, to the excitement that he, that he provides. I mean, you're a fantastic player. Um, He's out of contract in 18 months, isn't he? And so they're talking you know, of, of, of there being a bid from Spurs. We'll, we'll, we'll see by the time people listen to this. I suspect it'll end up, like everything, ends up being January the 31st, isn't it, before anything happens in these things. I'm, I'm happy to go with Wolves in this one. Um, and I, I don't think we're, we're suddenly calling them uh, Man City, are we, Wolves? You know, I've, uh, a couple of free-scoring games, but I can see it going back to the to the to 1-0 to the, to the Wolves. Uh, although Brentford have conceded a lot of goals recently, haven't they? They've had a you know bad little run that first half against United aside. They've conceded eleven in three games. Um, they're doing well to be where they are. Brentford would be the diplomatic way of of putting that one. Um, I do. I did see a stat about throw-ins, um, which is an underrated part of football. I think um, basically Brentford created as many chances from throw-ins as just about the rest of the Premier League put together. They're the only team that actually seems to have a plan for chucking the ball long into the penalty area, loading bodies in there, and actually attacking it. Um, and that's, that, that's that's the guy who's worked with Liverpool, isn't he? Who's worked with with Brentford as well. Yeah, and he he he's credited his his technique. And his training on giving is it Mads Beck Sorensen an extra five meters on his throw. Yeah, I, I, and, I, and, I, where, and where did the goal come from against Manchester United? Precisely, uh, scramble after a throw, wasn't it? I, I used to, I, I, a friend of mine who he used to work with as a as a volleyball player, who reckons he could throw a football outside of, across the penalty area and out the other side. Obviously, that would be no use to anybody, but it is a, a sign that <laughs> basically that footballers underthrow the football is his is, is theory. So he basically thinks you should be able to chuck it anywhere. The old Dave Challoner, you know, from the halfway line, spearing it into the penalty area that nobody does, undervalued part of football. Uh, but I, I don't think there's the best throwing market is there available. So uh, I'm, no, I'm I, saying... I, I would like to see that. I think, I think the long throwing does, does need a return. I know down in the leagues last week, was it, was it Doncaster? 
after moaning that Wigan brought their own towels for right, the ball right. <laughs> and put them around the stadium. Why, why are you bringing your own towels? What's that for? That's cheating. Well, leave your towel. If, if there's like, a towel by the side of the pitch, you get and you pick it up. It's your pitch. It's like when you go to the in-laws. That's a bit rude, isn't it? Bringing your own, bringing oh, your own towels. Oh, <laughs> dear me! You'll never get, you'll never get the invite again. Uh, Neil, as we return to sanity again, um, back to, um, to to Brentford. With Brentford, do you think with, with, with them, Neil, the first goal is really... If they score the first goal, then they're off and running. But if they concede, they'll concede three, as they have done quite a lot recently. Yeah, I think this is one of those games where I, I don't think there'll be many many goals in it. I know Brentford have had a lot of goals in recent games, but I just think that first goal is going to be... Uh, be so valuable to, to either side and whoever gets it will will go on uh, and win the game uh, under 2.5 is staring at me in the face for this one Brentford don't really do clean sheets I'm swaying towards Wolves t- to be nicking this one whether it's Triori off the bench like he scored uh, last game whether it's Jimenez again it's not going to be Conor Cody again is it goodness me he's got his one goal in 300-400 games um, but yeah so, so I'm looking at Wolves as, as just making it a miserable week for Brentford a couple of home defeats that one against United followed up by a not a pretty game. We're talking about how entertaining Leeds Newcastle will be. I don't think this one will be in the same league as ent- entertaining, but still as valuable for the three points. Wolves for me, under 2.5. Uh, Wolves are 2.57 to win. Brentford 3.1. The draw is 3.1. Under two and a half goals is 1.54. But the the back back to the Wolves and under two and a half goals, uh, which has done us so well, and maybe on the last couple of weeks, that's 4.33. Uh, for the uh, the one nil or the two nil for Wolverhampton Wanderers to win that, if you want to be a little bit back to binary, uh, Wolves and under one and a half goals is seven, um, but just that's the price for a one nil as well. That's Brentford versus Wolves. It completes the three o'clock kickoffs on Saturday. Uh, we'll quickly move on as this uh, this weekend uh, continues. Uh, we'll get to the five thirty kickoff, which is Manchester City uh, travelling to the south coast. Five thirty Saturday, the evening kickoff is Southampton versus Manchester City. Very short Manchester City on this uh, epic run, uh, which uh, most people would suggest would point where the title is going. Southampton ten to win at home. The draw is six. Over three and a half goals is two point two. Under three and a half is one point six six. Um, Neil Mellor, um, where does this Manchester City run end? We've seen them do fifteen game winning runs to to win titles and take it away from everybody else uh, but they face a Southampton side who are scoring goals it could end this weekend if Southampton play like they did at the Etihad earlier on in the season I thought they were outstanding it was nil-nil a bit unfortunate not to have won the game actually <clears throat> and what they did really well was they pressed high they were really really brave away at City now I expect them to do something similar if City can beat that press I think Southampton had problems but if Southampton's press works I think Southampton caused City problems uh, and it'd be interesting to, to see how City respond to that. They have been invincible City. What is it? 12 Premier League wins in a row. They have, they've looked unstoppable. They've got a massive advantage at the top of the Premier League. But we know that there's certain results which, which surprise us every now and then. This could be one of them. I think a draw surprises everybody. So I think City won't have it all, the way, all their own way. I don't think City go there, win 3-4-0. I think Southampton really are going to be competitive for this game. Uh, it was uh, a Southampton victory a couple of home games ago, back in uh, in 2020. Uh, Shea Adams getting that one. Uh, 
in in lockdown, wasn't it? Early lockdown when the, the team just came back. Um, City went there and won last season just by a goal to nil. They 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 don't score too many against Southampton. They did put five against them uh, last season at home. But as as Neil mentions, John, that nil nil earlier in the season was uh, a marker of the way Southampton play when when they're really on it and they're really brave. They can they can go in and get something and possibly could have maybe should have won that game. Yeah, uh, and so and it, it was a bit. It was at the end. It was, a, it was there was the last minute goal, wasn't there? That was ruled out. But uh, yeah, City was struggling at that point for for goals. Not struggling too much right now. And I suppose you could say also the team that started, yeah, the last team that beat City was Palace, wasn't it? So it's it doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's going to finish in some kind of spectacular way. I mean, the good news for City fans is that they've got an easy run of games coming up, which is just what the just what the Premier League need needs now, isn't it? Man City playing some easier games. Uh, what price was City? Is it? I, I, I guess they're just. I guess it's got one point two eight. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, I suppose <laughs> Sand, if you've done that for the last 12 weeks then you'd like having money in the bank um, I don't know <laughs> I'm trying to agree with Neil and say that there's a, a hope here for Southampton basically on the basis of recent performances on the basis of recent results I just think that I, I, I can just see Pep Countering that in some way, I can see that he's been not probably obsessing about the fact that they, you know, they they didn't um, slaughter Southampton in the way they would have wanted to. Uh, he, he's get, getting so very excited these days, isn't he, about uh, restricting opponents, not having any shots on goal. Um, maybe maybe we are talking low scoring. Maybe that's the the you know the, the, the sneaky side bet here. But I, I can't bring myself to say Southampton will get. will stop the winning run though. So you know maybe, maybe you know relatively low scoring City win. Well, City away from home in this run. They've uh, they won two one at Arsenal. Obviously, with that last minute uh, win, they didn't look great that day. Arsenal, uh, they were brave that day too. Uh, Phil Foden uh, with the one 0 win at Brentford, sixteen minutes in, uh, five minutes in they took the lead away at Newcastle and won that comfortably by four goals to nil. Four minutes in they won at Watford uh, early on by uh, three goals to nil. They they do tend to score early. They're leading at half time. If they don't score early though, Neil, th- there is that. As happened at Arsenal, it's a city way, isn't it? They 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 think too much about what they're doing. Yeah, and, and Southampton are ten games without a clean sheet, so you're thinking they're not exactly um, tight defensively. Uh, I mean, you're looking at City's team, you're looking at City's form, and you're thinking, how on earth are they not going to win this game? <clears throat> but I, I just feel as though Southampton will frustrate them. I quite like under two point five goals. I think Southampton are going to be in this game. Uh, you know, if they can nick a draw, I think it would be a surprise. But I think they're going to be in the game to maybe get a draw and frustrate City rather than City having it their own way. So I'd be tempted for under 2.5 because I would think they would be much better odds than over 2.5. Uh, Southampton to score a, a, a City clean sheet, no, is 1.75. Uh, you can have... Um, what was that market that you're looking for again there, Neil? Under 2.5. Under 2.5. So the basic under 2.5. Well, un, under 3.5 is 1.66. And uh, if you click into the main market, under two and a half goals is 2.62. So you've got something there uh, to, to to get around. And if you think maybe the, the half-time, full-time is your way and Southampton can keep them out uh, in the first half, the draw and Manchester City is four. So it's, it certainly boosts up the City 
uh, win. If you think that City will uh, maybe come from behind to win this, you can you can have that as well. Uh, that is in some of the extra markets. I'll, I'll dig that out. But John, have you got any any goal scorers? I know we just list the City players and all their <laughs> bench basically are all shorter than any Southampton player. But James Ward-Prowse has been in a, a great run of form. Yeah, yeah, and he's, he's you know he's he's rediscovered his free kick form because actually he had a long spell, didn't he, without scoring a free kick, and then in, the, in recent weeks he's, he also scored one in open play. I forget who it was against, and, and he scored the penalty as well. So if if they set him to get a penalty, he will take it. So he's he's always a, a you know a, a, a sneaky bear, isn't he, James Ward-Prowse? Uh, I mean, I mean, it's good to see De Bruyne back in form, isn't it, and, and fully fit again. So um, that's your opinion. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Um, so yeah, but then City goal scorers—it's always hard, isn't it, for City goal scorers because he rotates those players, um, takes them off as well in, in games, and so sometimes you, you know it's, it's, it's a question of whether you're going to enjoy your money sometimes, and um, or whether you're going to become resentful that Pep Guardiola keeps changing his team around, which, which you know, Pep Roulette, as they call it. Um, I, I'm happy again. I'll, I will take uh, you know, as, as Neil was saying, the, the, those low scoring. I mean, I'm not interested in anything other than, as, as you say, Dave, with City's first half uh, dominance of, of games. So I'm not interested in the sort of half-time Southampton, you know, City coming from behind or anything like that. Just a straight, relatively low-scoring game just might be the might be the way through it, I think. City and under two and a half goals is four. And I think that's the way that we're going to look at that one. Uh, this Saturday evening, Southampton versus Manchester City. But if it is a draw at half-time... Uh, well, it'll probably be City winning at full time, but it, uh, yeah, well, it, might, it might be a little bit more interesting uh, than it has been uh, in recent games for City. And I'm sure City are very interested in the way that they're winning game after game after game. That's Manchester City away at Southampton completing uh, Saturday evening. Uh, next up, we'll get into Sunday. <laughs> We're looking at Sunday in the Premier League on the sportsbet.io Premier League podcast. Don't forget you can get involved in the clubhouse with every single second of every single Premier League and Champions League game uh, live. You can listen to us as we give you the best uh, advice, hints, tips, uh, some entertainment in there. I won't promise that, uh, but that's on Clubhouse Radio and you can join in in the clubhouse chat as well while you're watching the game here on sportsbet.io. The three kickoffs in the Premier League at two o'clock on Sunday. Arsenal, Burnley, uh, Palace at home to Liverpool and Leicester versus Brighton. Um, We will kick off, shall we, at... um, Let's do Crystal Palace, Liverpool. Uh, Crystal Palace 5.5, Liverpool 1.58. The draw is 4.33. I've got former Liverpool striker Neil Mellor uh, with us. And uh, we've got John Driscoll as well, the commentator. Uh, Crystal Palace used to be a bogey ground for Liverpool, Neil. Uh, it is, if you look at it statistically, it's nothing of the sort in recent years. You've seen like four, five, six seasons where Liverpool have gone there and been pretty dominant. Very dominant last season, 7-0. Cool, I enjoyed watching that one. Um, I don't think we're going to have the same sort of scoreline um, because obviously Liverpool are missing the best player. Mo Salah, of course, didn't miss him against Brentford. I thought it was a very good performance. It was tight at 1-0. Brentford had one big moment, didn't equalise, and then Liverpool cruised to victory last 20 minutes. A good performance against Arsenal in the League Cup semi-final, second leg. Jota being the hero. Who else but Trent creating the chances again for him? Most creative player in the Premier League, of course. So Liverpool are missing Salah, are are missing Mane. The manager will say they're missing Cater as well, but he probably wouldn't have started. Although I know he played well in that game against Palace last season. Um, 
yeah, so I think Liverpool will, will be too strong for Palace, but I'm not expecting it to be a comfortable afternoon. I think it will be uncomfortable. I think Palace are missing key players as well. And we know with the talent they have with Eze, Alise, outstanding young players, but will be inconsistent. How will they cope with the big game uh, at, at home against Liverpool? Palace have been okay at home, but they haven't played a top side yet. They're going to have some really tough games coming up. They've got Liverpool, Chelsea, City and Arsenal, four of their next five games at home. So we're going to see how good Palace are at home. I think it will be close. I think it will be tight, but I think Liverpool will just have enough to beat Crystal Palace in this one. Liverpool, John, looking looking like, well, it's a semi-final, but the, the way they were looking to keep that clean sheet against Arsenal on Thursday night, uh, getting their two goals, Jota so important, but also the way Klopp put that side out, the balance of of, of having Junke Gordon on the right-hand side just gave them something more going forward to, to, to fill in for what are two massive, massive holes. But There's Mane on one side, Jota comes into that, Firmino back in, makes them look solid up top and he does like playing at Crystal Palace. But that balance on the right of the youngster coming in, in, in Gordon, just gave them a little bit extra going forward, but still not quite right at the back, maybe. Fabinho, brilliant in midfield. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 basically, you take out Mo Salah, you're almost taking out a guaranteed goal at some point, aren't you? It's like, it's like they've got a head start in games. Liverpool, I mean, I still agree. I think, I think Liverpool would be reasonably comfortable. I don't think... It's not as if that they've suddenly looked like a shambles without... Uh, uh, Salah and Mane in the team is it? They haven't suddenly fallen apart. They've still got all of the, the the you know the the sound principles around a Jurgen Klopp team. It's just lacking a little bit of personal inspiration, of of particularly of Salah, you know, Mane, obviously another fine player. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm still saying Liverpool. I think those prices are probably fair. I think if you know five point five, if you do fancy Palace, it's not bad for a, a team at home, is it? Um, they're they're a they're a good team. They can score goals. They're they're a very different team, obviously, from the the Roy Hodgson side that Liverpool have have dealt with effortlessly in in a couple of uh, recent games. And hugely impressed with Jota. Um, you, you know, given that he came into that that front three that was so well established and so uh, and so lauded to to have come in and and you know genuinely forced himself into it. Second top scorer in the Premier League, I believe, as well, isn't he, Diego Jota? Um, I can see him continuing that form. I can see Liverpool winning this game comfortably. Jota 2.3 any time. He's five first goal. Uh, just going through the possible scorers as well. I know Oxley Chamberlain have been playing well. Uh, came in and then got himself injured. Had a good game against Brentford. A 3.5 any time if he comes back from his ankle injury in this one, which is possible, I think, with uh, Kay Gordon maybe not ready for a Premier League start just yet, but we'll see. Conor Gallagher. Uh, is the driving force behind Crystal Palace. 3.8 any time, 8.5 first goal. Uh, can we give them a goal, Neil, or do you think Liverpool do this to, to nil? Yeah, Liverpool haven't given too much away, have they? Um, and we'll certainly be looking for a clean sheet. Alisson comes back in, didn't play in the League Cup semi, of course, for this one. Um, Matip wasn't great. First half against Arsenal got brought off, so I wonder whether he'll partner Van Dijk or maybe Canate. I looked at the stats for this one, I was thinking, when did Palace last beat Liverpool? And, and you have to go back. Liverpool have won 10 in a row, by the way, against Palace in the Premier League. Palace last home win in the Premier League against Liverpool was April 2005. The goal scorer that day, ex-Everton centre-forward, little nippy centre-forward. It was only 1-0 oh. to Crystal Palace. Uh, Andy Johnson? 
Andy, Andy Johnson. Correct, correct. Yeah. But what's interesting about that was only two months later, Liverpool won the Champions League, of course. So, yeah, that was the last time Palace beat Liverpool at home in the Premier League a long time ago. I don't think that will happen again. I think Liverpool... I'm thinking 1-0, 2-0... Uh, 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 yeah, I, I think Liverpool will win this one. Liverpool to win to nil is 2.71. Uh, Liverpool and under two and a half goals is four. So you've got a decent price there for Liverpool and under. So Liverpool to just, just get it done away at Crystal Palace. And that's what they will like to do uh, as they await uh, their, uh, their stars to return from AFCON and I think with the FA Cup next week it will be the next Premier League game where they will both be back in some form uh, we'll see if either of them get through uh, to the final of that in the final stages but um, there's a few players coming back this weekend we didn't mention in, in, in the, the City game obviously I think Riyad Mahrez will be back for City uh, in uh, in the evening game against, against Southampton because Algeria uh, went out in the early stages of AFCON uh, the other games at uh, 2 o'clock on Sunday, Arsenal, Burnley, Burnley really need some, well, games really. Um, I know they've got a lot to play, but they haven't played many. Uh, they're losing players. Um, Chris Wood leaving through um, no fault of Burnley's own, other than why would you put that clause in his contract? Uh, 8.5 for Burnley, 1.37 for Arsenal. The draw is 5. Neil, how do Arsenal react from that uh, semi-final uh, defeat on Thursday? As they Stop getting Burnley players sent off. Stop getting yeah, that, that would certainly help. Um, yeah, I, I think they will react. Um, I think Arsenal are nowhere near the top sides, but are too good for for these sort of sides. So um, it was funny because before the game, obviously the game last weekend against Spurs was called off for Arsenal. And everyone's thinking, well, they must have quite a few players out. Pretty strong team they named against Liverpool. You know, <laughs> Martinelli was out there, Smith Rowe was out there, Saka was out there. Um, Odegaard as well so, so, so for me if them players are playing at the weekend they will be far too strong for Burnley really fair for Burnley you, you know losing the, obviously the main man up top Chris Wood the fact there's so many games behind um, I, yeah I think this could be the unfortunate Burnley drop because of all the disruption going on but they will compete they'll probably try and stay in the game for as long as they can but I see Arsenal being comfortable winners last 20, 30 minutes in this one. I think Arsenal to win by more than uh, a goal. So I think a two-goal advantage for Arsenal to win this one. Arsenal and over two and a half goals is two. So quite short. Over three and a half is 3.33. Um, I suppose we're looking at the players as well. Um, the young players got a bit of a, um, not a... Not a schooling particularly, but they, they got to a point where they didn't perform, but in this kind of game, it's, it's ideal, isn't it, John, for these young players? The likes of Smith Rowe, um, Saka, who I thought was a bright spark over both legs in 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 that semi final, but couldn't get get beyond Smith Rowe at two point five any time, Saka at uh, two point nine any time. Um, they don't turn into poor players overnight, do they? That they've got something about them. This Arsenal team. I think the pattern with Arsenal under since the, the first rocky start of the season has been against weaker teams they've looked fantastic and against the top teams that they're, they're not good enough I think it's, it's a very top clear gap isn't there between their performances between the two I think against a, a struggling team like Burnley if we can call them struggling because we can't remember them playing football uh, I, I, I'm comfortable to say Arsenal I can't see Burnley scoring uh, and and I can see Arsenal you know I think I think I'm looking at a comfortable uh, win for this, not a lot of pressure on you know, Odegaard, you know, they've got those lovely players, haven't they? In Martinelli, Odegaard, Smith Rowe, Saka. So, not really 
sort of, um, you know, they haven't been through the the, the, the furnace. They're, they're, they're not battle-hardened players, but they're, they're a good enough team to, to beat Burnley. Can you give me a price as well, Dave, on the first manager to moan about fixture congestion having had games called off voluntarily <laughs> um, over Christmas? Um, I think that happened on Thursday night, didn't it? <laughs> after, after, yeah. Well, we've had, we've had games called off and we've had players out, but here's all our players playing. Uh, okay. Um, yes, Arsenal Burnley. It would seem to be uh, an Arsenal an Arsenal victory there. We don't see where Burnley's goals are coming from. Uh, where the I'm going to say there where there will be goals though. Leicester against Brighton also at two o'clock. Leicester two point six six. Brighton two point seven one. The draw is three point two five. Leicester letting that lead turn into a defeat against Tottenham in, in midweek. Um, and, Neil, that's going to have some effect on them. But it's it's the kind of thing that has been happening to them quite a lot. They don't hold on to, to leads. They, they, they concede too many goals. Um, are you going to say Brighton turn up and get a draw? Because that, that's pretty much bang on, isn't it? Unbelievable, wasn't it? I must admit, I was watching it and I'm not a Spurs fan, but I couldn't help but thinking, goodness me, this is what football's all about. You know, that late drama, that late passion, um, winning a game that didn't look possible in the 94th minute. Um, and Leicester will be, well, they've got no time to feel sorry for themselves. They've got to pick themselves up very quickly. And it'd be interesting to see how they react to that one. I was looking at Bryson's last victory at Leicester. I've thrown a few of these stats in for you on this podcast. There's one more for you. The last one at Leicester in 2014. Can I read my writing? Yeah, I think it's 2014. And a player on the score sheet is playing for Manchester United and he is desperate to get away in this transfer window. He scored a goal for Brighton in a 4-1 victory against Leicester. He plays for Manchester United. He is desperate to be on the move. Every day he's being linked with a move away. Will he get his move away? What player is it? Come on. I'm completely flummoxed by this. Sideways, is Jesse Lingard on loan at Brighton? Jesse Lingard, there we go, John. Absolutely nailed it. That was Brighton's last win at Leicester. Um, And I don't think they will get this win. I think Brighton were excellent against Chelsea in that draw. Um, I I thought they deserved to beat Palace. I know Palace got one shot on target, um, a 1-1 draw there. So I think Leicester will respond and respond with a victory. Barnes to come back into the starting lineup. I think him on the bench, I think he'll start for this one. A bit of freshness. And looking at Leicester's team, they don't have as many problems as they make out that they do have. I know Vardy's out injured, um, but I still think that team is strong enough to beat Brighton this weekend. Do you agree, John? Uh, no, I'm going to go with draw. Um, Brighton, a Brighton draw? Yeah, Brighton, yeah. Brighton are playing well, but if they had... If they had Divock Origi up front, trying to sell Divock Origi, um, they would be right up there. If you know, and it's not to say that they've not got good strikers; they just don't have enough goal scorers. And they don't put enough players forward until they're losing the game, do they? You know, for the, through so much of the game, you're looking at them, you think, and, and it's so neat, and they and they think, oh, people, oh, well, that's lovely, isn't it? The way they're playing the football, um, and then in the latter stages midfielders start bombing into the penalty area and they look like they can then score goals. So I, I think it's I think it's partly by choice that they are, have become this sort of late draw um, specialists. And against Leicester, I mean, Leicester, I mean, it's so... I don't want to moan about it because it's... it's um, it, I don't want to start, you know, saying, oh, I wish every game was 1-0. Like like, you know, the old guy from the Gazette de la Sport who says that the perfect football game was is 0-0 because no one's made a mistake. I don't, so... At the end of that game, and again, as you know, I'm not a Leicester fan. So at the end of that game, the other night, so they're winning, aren't they, with 94 minutes on the clock. 
and they're still bombing forward. And you think, what do you, what, why? Why was there so much room for, for Bergwijn to run into and score the equalising goal? And then would literally, you know, just had time for one last attack. They all bomb forward again. And Tielemans loses the ball. And I think there are about five of his teammates ahead of him at that point. And so one ball through from Harry Kane. They cut through. Bergwijn scores the goal. It's terrific entertainment, all of that. But... Um, you it's true. I, I have no care for Leicester at all. Yet they they annoy me intensely by the way they play football, <laughs> because I've I've you know we've we've ex- I've experienced Brendan Rodgers' way of playing football. But game management. I mean, even oh, a a two two, you just say okay, we'll take that point. We're not going to go and try and get the winner. But may, maybe people people like that. But that what happens is what happened on. Wednesday can I, night. Can I tell you a random story of a football match I was watching yesterday? The 1966 World Cup final I was watching for, for purposes yesterday. And um, England are winning 2 1 with about a couple of minutes to go. And then they're leading in extra time again. Uh, Jack Charlton, I think it was, passed the ball back to the goalkeeper. And the, and the, fa- the fans, the England fans, booed the, the fact that he passed the ball back. And they all start chanting, We want three, we want three. Um, there, no, there was no concept of game management, whereas now, you know, 50 odd years later, fans have got this, this idea, that, oh, oh, we're one nil up, or we're two one up, we should, we should somehow sit on it, which was previously seen as some kind of, a, sort of Italian thing to do, wasn't it? So, uh, so it's good. You know, I like the fact that Leicester um, don't do that and don't seem to have any concept of game management. If I was a Leicester fan, I don't know if I'd like it. Um, so so that for that reason, I just can't bring myself to say, put money on Leicester seeing a game through. Um, you know, they, obviously they could win it. They could win the game 4-2. They're good enough. Uh, Harvey Barnes is a good shout because I, I, I think he played actually as a centre forward, didn't he? Um, in the latter stages of, of that game. He was certainly the, sort of the focal point of the attack for the for the Madison goal. So it's, it's not a, yeah, it's not a bad shout. I mean, whether it, I guess Dakar will start as a centre forward, won't he? And, he's, and he looks a good player. But um, yeah, Harvey Barnes, not a bad shout for a goal. And someone's going to score some goals in this game. Dakar, 2.9 anytime. Harvey Barnes is five anytime. He's 10 first goal. He can have 10 last goal as well. Uh, and I always like a uh, a game like that where a man of the match is awarded on 92 minutes. <laughs> and James Madison got that at four. Uh, no, he, he was four any time he got that and uh, ended up on the losing side. I don't know if he had to do an interview post-match with his trophy or whatever, but um, he's uh, 8.5 first goal, 8.5. Last goal, uh, that is uh, Leicester versus uh, Brighton, Brighton 2.71, Leicester 2.66, so not much between them. The draw is 3.25. Uh, we'll finish off the Premier League weekend with another big London derby. Next. Chelsea versus Tottenham finishes off the Premier League weekend. It's Chelsea 1.68, Tottenham are 5. The draw is 4. Antonio Conte returning to Chelsea. Uh, having been, well, taken apart, really, in the uh, EFL Cup semi-finals. But a week is a long time in football, John Driscoll. And um, Tottenham having come back at Leicester midweek and Chelsea looking toothless once more. Are they too short at 1.68? Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, the draw looks more appealing, I must must say. Um, If you think the... Individual errors played a large part in that outcome of that um, League Cup semi-final, and there's no particular reason that Spurs would do that again. Um, they, yeah, I, I think Spurs 
will I think I think they are better um, under under the Conte. I mean, I, I don't think that's a particularly controversial thing to say, is it? Uh, Chelsea are looking tired. Um, I think they will. Yeah, I've, I've got some faith in in Spurs for this one. Um, Chelsea. I don't know where it's gone wrong for Chelsea. It's 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 hard to put your finger on it, isn't it? You know, a couple of months ago they were looking so strong and so rock solid as well. Whereas, again, like I was saying with Ronaldo, obviously there's an issue with um, incorporating Lukaku into the way that Tuchel wants to play. You might question why they paid 100 million quid to get him in then if they didn't really have that plan. Um, all of this suggests. I, I would say that Spurs have got some hope here. They're, they're, you know, they're they're in they're in this Spurs and Harry Kane playing as a proper striker. I know they're missing Son again, which is a real blow because he's such an important player uh, when they when they play on the counter attack. But yeah, so, so yeah, Spurs. I'm not. I'm certainly not dismissing Spurs prospects here. But Neil Mellor, Tottenham don't beat don't beat Chelsea. That's just a, an unwritten rule, isn't it? Mm. Maybe a written one. Yeah, well, this is the fourth time they've played them and they've lost all three games so far this season. Um, Spurs haven't scored a goal against them either. Um, they did score a couple, didn't they, in that second leg? Obviously, they were disallowed for VAR reasons, which I think they all got them correctly. I mean, I'm looking at Spurs' midfield and thinking, I, I think that gets overrun by Chelsea. I really do. Especially if they play that same three that played against um, Leicester uh, uh, in midweek, Winks, Skip and Hoiberg. For me, that that's going to get demolished by, by that Chelsea midfield. I know Chelsea have dropped a lot of points. Um, at home, they've drawn five of their 11 games. But when you're looking at players to come in and make a difference, I looked at the subs that they made in that midweek game against Brighton, drawing 1-1. In the 80th minute, they brought on Kovacic, Werner and Havertz. Now, now they'll be fresh and I think they'll be, be itching to, to maybe start this game. Whether he goes with Lukaku again, I don't know. But, but, but yeah, I think... After a big win, the way Spurs had, and I've experienced it myself, sometimes you get caught out a bit next game. And I, and I think Spurs are going to get caught out because of the adulation, oh, brilliant euphoria. I just think they're going to, they're going to get caught out against uh, a Chelsea team that are going to be thinking, we've not been at it. We know we've not been at it. We've dropped too many points recently and we're going to respond and we're going to, we're going to hurt, hurt you this weekend. So Chelsea for me uh, to win this one. April 2018 was the last time Tottenham won at Chelsea. Previous to that, the last time Tottenham won at Chelsea. How far back are we going, John? Anyone? Oh, I don't know. It was years, wasn't it? It was years and years, wasn't it? It's like back 1990. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before football was created. <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's uh, Tottenham have an awful record at Stamford Bridge. Uh, Christian Eriksen and Delhi Alley with two uh, in that win in 2018. Um, I, I know historically that doesn't really mean anything, but it it, it does in a way because Tottenham fans and the club kind of know that going to Chelsea is pretty much impossible to to, to get anything anything out of. It's just the the feeling through the club. I remember again talking Liverpool? It was it was eighty six, wasn't it? Till about two thousand and eight. It was a, or even even later than that. There was these things do happen. They're odd. They're more than just difficult places to go. But Tottenham at five. The draw is four. Chelsea, 1.68. Um, John, are you, are you taking that five? No, no, I'm not going that no. far, obviously. <laughs> you know, it's still Spurs. Um, I mean, obviously, the when they got to the, the, the semi-final, there was a slight prospect that they might actually win something. And then, obviously, being Spurs, they would have to collapse, um, so, which is something for, for Conte to, to get used to. He is the Spurs manager. That, that is going to happen. I just think... I just, I'm just so unconvinced by Chelsea at the moment. 
that, I, that I, I'm not ruling out the possibility of Spurs getting, maybe getting a draw, maybe again going low scoring um, on this one. Um, cause just because I, I watch Chelsea at the moment, I just think, what, what, you know, it's, it's so uninspiring. The game against Brighton, it's quite dull. You, you know, I had to write some highlights at the back of it. There was nothing to go in them. Um, for all people, oh, yeah, it was nice, nice football and all of that, but yeah, n- nothing happens in the games. Um, so, yeah, maybe uh, maybe low scoring, maybe that draw because it's four, um, but I'm not going as far as advocating people, you know, put their hard-earned money on Spurs to win away at Chelsea. The draw and uh, under two and a half goals is 15, so the, that's the nil-nil or the 1-1. Uh, the draw and under, sorry, that's the that's draw and over two and a half goals. The draw and under two and a half is 5, 4.75, so yeah. put your wallets yeah. away. Um, uh, it's not 15. The draw and under two and a half is 4.75. The draw and under four and a half is 3.66. Chelsea and unders, under 2.5 is 3.75, Neil. And we we just want to see a bit more of the Chelsea that played against Liverpool, don't we? Or was it, did Liverpool just allow them to play like that? It did seem to be the way that Chelsea wanted to play that day, and it's they've got it in them. I think there's going to be a reaction at some point from Chelsea and there's going to be a big performance. This could well be it. Um, got a funny feeling that uh, Werner is, is going to have a part to play in this one. Um, he's a man who has been criticised for his lack of goals, but, but but I feel as though he, he may well contribute in this game. So I'd be looking at him for a goal. I know Rudiger's got two and three games against Spurs this season. I would not be tempted to put a three and four for him. Um, so, so, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking... There's going to be a reaction from Chelsea. Everyone's going to be saying, "Oh, this is the Chelsea that we that we thought would be uh, the case consistently this season," but they haven't been. And it could be Conte's first defeat in the Premier League for Spurs for me this weekend. So I think Chelsea will win it uh, and win it well by a couple of goals. I I, I can't put my hard-earned money on Timo Werner scoring a goal. Sorry, it's just I, it's, it's, I, 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 was, <laughs> I knew you were going to come over that. It's, it's too it's too stressful, isn't it? He'll be one goal, goalkeeper will fall over, and it's still it'll still bubble up and come off his shin or something. I've never seen a player. Um, if he's going to go in against anyone, though, it'd be that Tottenham, level it? of the game. So in some aspects, he's he's superb. His movement, his pace, and everything else. But his technique, when he has to actually kick a ball under pressure, I've never. I don't know how he got to the stage of how he got to that level of the game with that poor technique. It's extraordinary. So I, I can't, you know, I can't have my my money riding on Timo Werner. Sorry. There you go. Wallet's back out then on Timo Werner. Three point four <laughs> anytime. Seven point five first goal. If you fancy a, a Timo Werner hat trick, it's one hundred and forty. Uh, Eighteen for a couple of goals. <laughs> I'll buy you go that far, Dave. Well. Can't go that far. <laughs> Uh, so Chelsea, we think comfortably or maybe uncomfortably to beat to beat Tottenham. We'll see which Chelsea turns up at Stamford Bridge, and certainly which Tottenham turns up. Is it the one that always turns up at Stamford Bridge uh, to win that one? Uh, the over two and a half goals is one point nine. Under two and a half goals is also one point nine. That's Chelsea against Tottenham, and that brings us to an end on this Premier League podcast and the preview for the weekend. Uh, my thanks to my guest Neil Miller. And John Driscoll, uh, as ever, uh, just a reminder that uh, please always gamble responsibly. The Premier League preview is a sports betting media production and uh, the Premier League will take a couple of weeks off. But in the coming weeks, we've got plenty to look ahead to uh, after the, the next round of the Cup next week. We've got more Premier League action and the Champions League will return very soon as well. Uh, thank you to uh, all of you for joining us uh, and we will see you very very soon good luck with all of your selections Clubhouse Premier League betting previews with sportsbet.io previewing every game of the English Premier League
Listen to Clubhouse Radio with Sportsbet.io for all the best bets as the games are being played. Please gamble responsibly.